What a blessing it is that we can lift up our prayers together in worship and also go to the Lord privately and know that he hears every word. It's also a blessing that he's given us his word that we can share in worship, that we can also study at home and be able to go to him in moments where we're thankful, where moments where we're anxious. And today we look to scripture to hear God's word in the first chapter of the Old Testament, Job. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Again, we turn to God's word. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, this morning we're continuing uh, the sermon series, uh, Get Behind Me, Satan. And, and uh, we're going to, through the Wednesdays and Sundays of Lent, explore probably one of the notorious people in all of Scripture and all of humanity, and that is Satan. Okay. And we just we have an interesting story this morning that we encounter in Scripture in the book of Job, uh, Job chapter one, uh, six uh, through twelve. And in this story, it says the sons of God are gathered around Jesus, and and we talked about this a, a Sunday or two ago. Who are the sons of God? The sons of God are the angels, the archangels, gathered around God the Father, and from among the angels steps forward Satan. And God asks Satan, you know, basically, what have you been up to? And he says, I've been going to and throw all the earth. He's been hovering around the earth. That's where he's been. And God says to Satan, have you considered Job? He's an upright, righteous man. He's faithful. He's faithful to me. He worships me. And this is an interesting interact, interaction, and you can almost read it sort of like, you know, Job, or Job is, a, is 
kind of a side piece to this story because the tension is actually between Satan and God the Father in this interaction. It's almost as if God is saying, hey, as you've gone around the earth, have you, have you noticed how faithful some of my people are? Ha ha, you know, <laughs> look at Job. And what does Satan do? Well, Satan says, well, I mean, it's easy to be good, right? If, if you've given him everything he could want, if you put a protective hedge around him, like, why would he not be the most faithful of all people? What if he experienced some troubles and trials and tribulations and such in his life? Then, then what would he do? You know, S- Satan is playing his part perfectly in this narrative, in this story, in Scripture. What does Satan mean? Remember? In Hebrew, it's ha-satan, which can mean the Satan. It can be any devil or demon or any sort of representation of that. Or it could be the, the Satan, the one and only. But the word in Hebrew means the accuser. That is, one of the primary functions of Satan is to accuse to whisper those things into reality that create doubt and death and destruction and uncomfortableness. And here is Satan accusing God. He's accusing God. He's accusing him of not really having a lot of faithful followers. He's accusing God essentially of dangling some bribes in a way to get the people to love him. Sort of the cosmic vending machine. That is, God, people love you because you give them what they want, and if you didn't give them what they want, they would turn their backs on you, they would turn and run away from you. And so God says, bet, let's go and sends Satan back to earth and lets him do his will to Job. He can do anything to Job but take his life. And he says, well, we'll see what happens, basically. And so that's what Satan does. Satan goes back to Job and he begins to take his house, his home, his livestock, his livelihood, his children, and ultimately his Wife. But I want to read something that Job said early on when Satan attacks him and his children. Job says, arose and tore his robe, shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it says, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. That is to say that even after losing his home and his children, Job had such a heart for God that he could say, you know, naked I came into the world and naked I will leave, but I'm still with you, God. And so Satan turns up the heat a little bit, and he begins taking more away from him, even to the point that there's one 
conversation between Job and his wife where his wife basically asks him, are you, are you going to remain in your righteousness? Like, where are you going to give it up, Job? <laughs> Why would you still worship like this when all this has happened? And Job then was surrounded by friends, not, not helpful in any way. They were also influenced by the accuser. And they began offering empty words of comfort or empty solutions to these problems. And what you begin to see is, is Satan is doing what he does so incredibly well, as Jesus said, the thief, that is Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And systematically what Satan is trying to do to Job is destroy everything he has, kill all the people he loves, and ultimately steal his faith from him. And so in the midst of his mourning, his friends gather around him, and what do they say? They don't say, oh, we'll, we'll pray for you. <laughs> They don't say, it'll be okay, God's got this. They actually act like Satan. They accuse Job. Job, surely you've done something wrong to deserve this, right? What sin have you committed? What atrocity have you done? How far have you fallen from God the Father that you must deserve the loss of everything that you have? because of what you've done. And Job, in his righteousness, knows he's done nothing wrong. What Job's friends are working with is what we call a, a retribution theology. And some people have this, the sort of idea that if you do good, God will bless you, and if you do bad, God will punish you. But if you've lived long enough, you know it's not quite that simple. Because bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. And so in the midst of all of this, Job does not receive any comfort as he sits in mourning and in pain. And it's in the end when he finally relinquishes it all to God fully, when he just says what we all know is coming which is it's all about you, God. Like it's, I, I give up. That God appears and sort of pulls back the curtain and shows Job everything that he can't see. The spiritual implications of everything that God does in all of creation. And he comes to understand something much more deeply about his faith and about the one he worships in this moment that God ends up restoring everything to him. And when I read this story, and when I think about the role of Satan in the world, it, it raises a lot of questions. Job raises a lot of questions. It doesn't answer a lot of questions. What it raises for me is you know, why is there still suffering? Why would God, quote, allow Satan to go to and fro on the earth? Like, what is going on? And this is something that I think Job got to understand 
more deeply when God showed him everything that we quite don't get yet. But what we can see is that before Job saw it, he remained faithful to God the Father. He didn't lose his faith. He had, he had anger. He had questions. But he was still going to God and seeking answers. And I think a lot of us live in that same space and have that same relationship to God and sometimes to the accuser as Job. Like as we go through life, some part of us is hoping for extra blessing or we want God to show up and, you know, give us the wealth that we so deserve. And we get frustrated when in faithfulness, when we go to God day in and day out in prayer over some pain, some sickness, some affliction, some drama with the family, as we keep going and going to God and it seems like nothing happens, we sometimes do get frustrated and that's when the accuser swoops in and sort of whispers to you something that shakes your faith and shakes your trust. I mean, I was thinking a lot about this um, throughout the week. Just moments where the accuser has his way with me. Like, sometimes when my kids don't do what they're supposed to or aren't as faithful as I hope they would be or, or don't lean in the ways that I hope, what do I do? Do I, do I say, oh, you know, it's okay and, and go on about my life? And uh, What ends up happening actually is, is I begin to think to myself, well, I must not be a good dad. And if I'm not a good dad, then that also raises questions about me being a pastor because... I also am spiritually responsible for my kids, not only as a father, but as a pastor. Oh my goodness. And the accuser sort of gets into my head and I begin to feel a little bit of distance and frustration between me and sometimes my kids, between me and God. Sometimes I'll get like an email or... A, or some sort of notice of, of someone who no longer wants to worship here or someone who's frustrated by something. And, and it could be any number of things. And instead of just sometimes celebrating like, hey, maybe they need to move on, maybe they want to worship somewhere else, or, or, or maybe we just need to have a conversation. Like, again, what enters into my head is like, oh, I'm a failure as a pastor. Like, and then, of course, you know, I lay in bed and wake up, and I'm like, oh, Bethany's dying, right? Because <laughs> one person stopped worshiping here. I mean, this is how Satan accuses. Satan makes you feel incompetent in your job, makes you feel incompetent as a husband or wife, makes you feel like a bad parent or family member. This is the stuff that maybe you think you can't control, but what about all the stuff you can't control, right? 
I mean, you can't avoid sin. This is the thing. It's, this is what's hard. It's, it's not that God is saying to Satan, hey, go and torment Pastor Dan or go and torment you specifically. It's just Satan goes to and fro on the earth waiting to steal, kill, and destroy. And so even if you are upright like Job was upright, and I am not presuming I'm as upright as Job by any stretch of the imagination, but even if you were as good as Job... You can still pull out of the parking lot and get hit by somebody. You can still lose your home to a fire. You can still get a cancer diagnosis because the world is still broken. And in the midst of all of this suffering, sometimes I find myself hearing the accuser's voice a little more than I want to and not living like Job as much as I should. And what did Job do? Well, through the midst of it all, he didn't say, oh, it's okay that I lost my house, my wife, my kids, my donkeys. He didn't say, oh, joy, (laughs) so thankful to you, God, for all those things being taken away. And he said, ultimately, in a sense, your will be done. Like he just, Job knew what it meant to have plenty. Like Paul says, he knows what it means to have a lot, what it means to have everything, and what it means to have nothing and to be in need. And yet, despite all these things, Paul learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, and sought God. And Job learned to be content and sought God. Because we don't always know what's going on. We can't always have the answer. But we have the truth. And the truth is what we hold desperately onto in those moments when the accuser is whispering in your ear, walk away. You're not worth it. It's not real. Jesus, in the gospel, he says, I have come that they have, may have life and have it abundantly. It's the opposite of Satan. Satan is coming to bring death and destruction. Jesus, through his Father, is coming to bring life and abundance. You can see the, the tension between the two as they sort of compete against each other. And that's the thing. I mean, this world does. It, it challenges us in so many ways. And like Job, sometimes we have bad friends that give us bad advice. Like I've sat with people who have lost a loved one, and they'll say something like, well, God must have wanted them in heaven. And I think, or death is just part of the world because God doesn't want death. He wants life. And so we look to him. And here's the amazing thing. Here's, here's what's crazy about this story is that Job goes through all those things. He loses all this stuff. He experiences all this pain and suffering and grief. And then ultimately what happens is Satan is shown again how wrong he is. 
about those who know and love God the Father, those who know and love Jesus. And Job is given abundance back. He's restored because of his faithfulness. And Satan doesn't win. He couldn't accuse God of only being worshipped because everyone's blessed. And Satan couldn't successfully pull Job away from faithfully trusting in him. In Genesis uh, chapter 50, there's a verse that says, As for me, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And this is the story of Joseph. Joseph says this to his siblings. And Joseph was thrown into a ditch and sold into slavery uh, because of envy and jealousy and some of that brokenness we experience in the world. And, and what came out of that is he rose up in leadership and authority and he actually helped Egypt survive a famine. And then he ends up being able to feed and take care of his family later. And so what they meant for bad, ultimately God turns and uses it for good. What Satan meant for bad with Job, God is able to use the faithfulness of Job to stick it to Satan one more time. And the same thing happens in the person of Christ. Satan comes to Christ and tries to accuse him of not having a father that loves him, of, of being protected in a way like Job was protected. God would never let you die, so just do this and Jesus willingly just gave it all up, life and all to God, trusting in him, and in so doing, ultimately defeats Satan and robs him of all power because Christ went all the way for you and me. And it's because of that, because of what Christ was willing to do, which is not protect himself to enter into any sort of bargaining with Satan to stop what he knew was coming from coming because he dove head fully into death itself to defeat it. That we too stand on his shoulders and defeat death and Satan. Satan has no hold on you. He just whispers. But we can turn our back on him and we can trust fully in the promise of God that even when we don't know why the things that happen in our life happen, we can have the same heart and attitude as Job. Naked we came into the world and naked we will leave. But in the midst of it all, God continues to bless, and in the end, death will be defeated, you will be restored, and life will win. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.